I'm going to sing too, huh? All right, these guys are going to do a song, and unfortunately, well, for me, it's fortunate, but Brother Mark's not here, and in the men's conference, I got a chance to sing some bass. And, and I'm one of those frustrated bass singers, you know, I was always a tenor, but now I can sing some bass. So let's go ahead and try it, fellas. If you're in the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. If you win, my brother, surely you must fight. Keep on the firing line. There are many dangers that we all must face. If we die fighting, it is no disgrace. Coward in the service, he will find no place. So keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run, nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. When we get to heaven, brother, we'll be glad. Keep on the firing line. How we'll praise the Savior for the call we had. Keep on the firing line. When we see the souls that we have helped to win, leading them to Jesus from the paths of sin, with a shout of welcome we will all march in. So keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run, nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run, nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. Oh, okay. Well, I forgot what I was doing there for a minute. <clears throat> Certainly had no idea what I was doing all along, but ladies, you come on up. They're going to do, uh, our silent singers are going to, not sing for us, but they're going to share with us. And then, of course, Brother Moon's going to come and preach for us. Uh, boy, we've certainly, certainly been blessed having Brother Moon with us. And again, our goal is not to honor or to, or should I say, no, take that back. It's not to elevate or glorify man. But listen, let's just be honest. Uh, the Lord, throughout the Word of God, honors those that honor Him. And boy, Brother Moon has honored the Lord this week, I believe. And boy, I tell you what, He's been a blessing to us as uh, He's obeyed the Spirit of God. Tonight, he's going to be preaching again. Hold on to your seat. I think we've got something good in store tonight. It's coming right out of this book, the Word of God. And boy, anytime it comes directly from that source, it's a good thing. So anyway, open your hearts, open your ears, and let God speak to your heart. Ladies, thank you. was broken, mine was mended. He became sin, now I am clean. The cross he carried bore my burden. The nails that held him set me free. His life for mine, His life for mine, how could it ever be that He would die, God's Son would die, to save a wretch like me. 
doesn't crank your motor you may not have any fuel in your tank and so uh, what a what a great song uh, I may ask them to come back and do it again would that be all right not not right this minute but uh, later on if you have your Bibles turn to the book of Romans if you would tonight Romans boy it was good music has been just fabulous this week brother Josh thank you We're, he's out taking smoke bless his heart <laughs> wore him slap oh there he is I know he went to Shawnee. I know what he does. <clears throat> I told my wife that I said that Brad was in jail, which he wasn't much, and uh, just that one time. But yeah, in jail four years. <laughs> he was your normal. He was like a normal a jailmate too, brother. <laughs> Worthless. I mean, uh, anyway. And I said that his mom saw it on the Internet. Is that where she saw it? And my wife said, Ricky, you've got to be careful what you say when it's over the Internet. I said, well, I think they know I was kidding. She said, some people won't know that. <laughs> well, sometimes we say stuff we shouldn't. All right. Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. Let me just say at this point how much I've enjoyed being here this week and uh, the time with you has been absolutely tremendous. Uh, your preacher is a good man. He's, he's just a good man. And uh, he loves the Lord and he loves souls and he loves the Bible. And, and he didn't ask me to say this and he's probably embarrassed I'm saying it, but I'm going to say it anyway because you need to hear me say it. Don't, don't forget this. You never know what you got until you don't have what you got. Amen. Then you realize what you don't have. But it's too late then. And God has given you a jewel. He and his wife and his family are just, they're precious people. And I know you know that already. But I see it from a different perspective than you do. And I don't travel as much as I used to. I used to with tour groups and stuff. I was all over the place and, and so forth. And I'm not that way anymore. I think last year I was out four, five, five, six times or something like that. I did three revivals. And so I don't do as much as I used to. And, and travels, I can't. I'm, <laughs> they, they pay me to be there occasionally. So I do have to be there occasionally. And uh, so as a result of that, I don't get to go out as much. And, and, and rightfully so. I don't deserve, I don't need to go out as much. But with that said, I have been in a lot of churches. And I said this Sunday night, 
You don't know what you have in the way of music. And that makes the, I mean, I, I, you, you got several pianos. You know how many churches have one person that can barely play the piano? If they have that. And you have a tremendous amount of musical talent here. And God has blessed you. You want to thank him for it and take advantage of it and enjoy it. Um, and then God's given you a man who is stuck by the stuff. See, people don't do what he's done. You know how I know? Because I know, I know preachers. And God has blessed because of that. Faithfulness is something you just can't buy. You just can't buy faithfulness. And, uh, you know, some people are just hired guns to come in and preach and leave. But that man of God that stays with the stuff and preaches and loves God year after year, month after month, you know, week after week, day after day, and he just keeps doing it. That's a real find and real jewel. And thank God for him. And I want to thank you. I thank all of you for all the things you've done for me. Somebody gave me a little gift up here. I thought it was mine. I took it. Uh, <laughs> last night, but there's no name on it, so I don't even know who to thank. So whoever did that, thank you so much for your kindness, your kind words, and everything else. And uh, I saved th- this one tonight for last. <laughs> so I'm, I'll slip out the door if there won't be any kind words. And uh, <laughs> whoops. But uh, anyway, no, seriously, thank you so much. It's a joy. And a, it's, it's my honor and privilege to be able to stand behind this pulpit of the man of God and to preach to his people, the people of God, a great assembly of people who love the Lord and love souls and love the Bible and love righteousness and want to do right. That is a pretty awesome thing. And I am I'm awestruck by it. I'm, I'm humbled by it. And I'm so grateful and so thankful for it. And thank you so much for the opportunity and privilege, preacher, of letting me come and be a part of this. I'm just, I'm just thrilled to death that I got to be here. And I, I, I razzed Josh and Brad. And, 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 and you all know I'm just joking, cutting up. Brad wasn't in jail. <laughs> this is over the Internet. Where's, where's the camera at? Right there. Brad did not go to jail much, Mom. <laughs> promise you. Just a few times. And I got him out, too. I promise you I did after about three days. I had to get him out of the drunk tank, but, you know. <laughs> All right, anyway. He was not in jail, Mom. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I apologize, uh, but uh, really, these guys, I love them, and they're good guys, and I really am proud of them. I really am. I'm proud of them and what they're trying to do here, and I think uh, you're going to find out that they're, they're good guys. Sometimes, though, if you're not careful, you take a guy like Josh. He grew up here, okay? So you get used to it. Well, we've always known Josh. You don't realize the value of how God has changed him and, and trained him and given him what he's got. And just in the music area. If you're not careful, you overlook that because you remember changing his diaper. Some of you women do. I'm serious. You do. You're like, I remember changing that boy's diaper. I remember that boy used to run around and he did this and he did that. Well, that's not the same boy. He's a man now. And he's God's man. And God has blessed him and I'm proud of him and I love him. Thank you so much. It's great to see you all tonight. I'll get all those, uh, all those things out of the way. Now, if you would, please stand with me. Romans chat, if you're able physically. Romans chapter number 10. If you're visiting tonight, please do not determine whether you come back on, on, by listening to me. Come back and hear the preacher. Seriously, come back and hear the preacher. Don't just say, well, I heard that moon guy. And I ain't never going back there. Come back and give it one more shot with the preacher because you'll be glad you did. Romans chapter number 10. Look at verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law by right, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses described, describeth excuse me, the, the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend, uh, 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 ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith is it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess in thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with a heart man believes in righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made in salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. 
For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of, uh, of peace and bring glad tidings, uh, I'm sorry, glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed thy report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Father, help us tonight. Take the words, take the word of God and make it very applicable in our life. Bless these dear folks. Please, God, this is the last night of this revival. And I certainly want you to meet with us. I want you, please, Father, to just do what you want to do and have your way in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. In this passage of Scripture that I've just read, let me read a, another passage that I think will be a help to back it up, not that it needs it. But chapter 9 says this, I say the truth in Christ, verse 1, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh who are Israelites, to whom pertains the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. Notice he said, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Why? For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Then he says in chapter 10, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. The word desire here, means to long or to yearn after, to crave, a strong wish. It's like, a, it's, it's like having a passion for something. It's, a, it's like a strong feeling and desire. That's what a passion is, a strong feeling and a desire. And in this scripture that I just read, he gives us, uh, some, uh, it gives us a little bit of a heartbeat of Paul in verse chapter 9 and chapter 10. We see a little bit of the heart of Paul what motivated him, what stirred him, what got him excited, what kept him excited, what kept him serving God, even though he went through many difficulties, many hardships, many times in his life when he wanted, I'm sure, to quit. Imagine being stoned like he was and left for dead, uh, being shipwrecked, all the things you see that he went through. Yet he never quit. He fought a good fight. He kept the faith. He finished his course. And, and I think we see some of the reasons are listed in this scripture that I gave you. And really what it boils down to was that Paul had such a passion. We live in a world where we're passionate, but we're not always passionate about the right things. For example, uh, Monday night at the NCAA National Championship game, when that young man hit the three with 4.7 tenths of a second for North Carolina, the North Carolina crowd went bananas. If you're far North Carolina, you were going crazy. Woo! Jumping up, down, shouting, going crazy, all right? And then the minute they took the timeout and came back in and they threw the ball in and uh, the kid, Ryan Archer, whatever his name is, about 17 syllables, uh, I think it is six syllables or seven, uh, he um, uh, pitched it back and that other kid hit the three. And the buzzer sounded just as it right before it went through the net. That was pretty amazing. And the Villanova people back at, in Villanova went and there too went absolutely crazy. You could see their passion, their desire. And you could see the passion that the North Carolina people had and even the players had. You saw the passion of Villanova, but you saw the passion of, of North Carolina uh, of, and, and, and their, that they were totally devastated by that loss. Now, let me say this. That win and that loss didn't keep one person out of hell, nor did it get one person in heaven. Okay? But yet they were passionate about it. When you start talking about your favorite teams, you can get real passionate about your team. And if somebody makes fun of them or laughs at them, you can get mad. I mean, they start fights over stuff like that. Over if you like one team and they like another, folks will go to blows over it. Like that's really that big of a deal. It's not unless it's my team and it is a big deal. Right? Right? And that's the way we feel. But we do. We have such a passion for that. And I'm not saying that's necessarily right or wrong. That's not the issue. It just shows that we are passionate people. And by the way, God made us as passionate people. 
He made us have emotions and have passions for things. We're a very passionate people, sometimes for the wrong thing, but we are passionate. And there's nothing wrong with being passionate and having some passion. For example, uh, let me give you this in way of introduction. Take your Bibles and turn back to the uh, book of Matthew. And let me show you something, if you would. Turn with me. Matthew chapter 22. Let's see if I got out of Malachi, it'd help. All right? Matthew chapter number 22. I'll give you a moment to find it. Matthew chapter... I want you to see this. Matthew chapter number 22. Verse 36. This lawyer's asking a question to Christ, tempting him. And he said, Master, verse 36, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said, Thou shalt be fond of, like a little bit, the Lord thy God, with a portion, a little bit of your heart, and, oh, I'd say a little bit of your soul, and if you want to think about him a little bit, a little bit of your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. We all know I misquoted that. He said, here it is. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. How much? My little, my granddaughter, one of my granddaughters, she's, I mentioned her the other day, her name's Allie, and Aliana Grace, and she says, Papa, I love you this much. This much. A while ago, I sent her that picture of the, of the, of the baby, and uh, uh, Brad's little baby here, and I sent it, we took a picture of me holding her, the picture really looked good with both of them, she's as cute as can be, I'm handsome as a dashing debonair man of God, you put those two, that beautiful, cute little baby there, and then me together, she did really help me, make me look better, all kidding aside, <laughs> but I felt sorry for her, I looked at her, and I thought, good, now look at that little ugly man, and he's holding her, no wonder she cries, and uh, anyway, but I took that picture, and I said, my wife said, too cute, she's a beautiful baby. And she said, how about the old man? <laughs> she did. Well, Allie saw the picture and she goes, that's my papa, I love him. Now, you know what? That, I, I don't say, when she says that, I don't go, well, get over it, kid. <laughs> you know what? When I, we are grandparents, you know what I'm talking about. We love those grandkids. And when they were grandkids, a little like that, and they say, I love you, papa, I love you, mama, or nana, or whatever you call you, granny. Uh, is that... Yeah, they're going, they're going, y'all going to have her, you're going to have them to call Granny. Okay, good. <laughs> what are you going to have them to call Brother Mark? Brother O'Donnell. Mrs. O'Donnell, Granny, what about? Remember, just remember before you make a statement, you do work for him. I'd be very careful. Choose your words very wisely. You do want a job, all right? But boy, when they, they, they start, they, boy, you, we, all the grand, every grandparent in this world, no, room knows what I'm talking about. Your heart is melted when they do that. You can't help it. The passion just flows when they do that because you love them. Jesus said, I want, you, I want you to love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. He said, you have a passion, a desire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Do you? Do you have a passion for the Savior? All right, here's where you can take a test. If you love me, fill in the blank. If you love me, what? Okay, I can test your love. How, much, how many commandments are you keeping? If you're leaving some of them out and making excuses, not doing what they say, sorry, you don't love him. Not like you said you did. A passion. I could also show you in Mark 12, 30, it's the same, another, it's the same passage per se. And he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy might. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. They all hang on that one thing. What? Loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, all thy might, and loving thy neighbors thyself. Boy, would I have a passion for fellowship with him. And he talks with me. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. You know, the first John chapter 1, verse 3 talks about us having fellowship with the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Abraham was called a friend of God. How about our friendship with him? I can tell you if you got a passion for him. Let me go on. 
How about a passion for these scriptures? Take your Bible just a minute. And this is, I'm just laying the groundwork to get back to the message. Matthew, uh, 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 I mean, uh, Psalm 119. We're going to read the whole Psalm and digest the whole thing. And, and we're going to examine every word and every verse. <laughs> All 176 verses. No, I'm going to pick out a few verses and I'm going to read them to you. All right? Verse 20. My soul breaketh for the, for the longing that it hath unto the, thy judgments at all times. The longing that it hath unto thy judgments? Some about the Word of God. Verse 24. Thy testimonies also are my delights and my counselors. This is David talking. He's saying, man, the Word of God has been so precious to me. Look at verse number uh, 47. And I will delight, delight. Wow, my voice is changing there. Hang on a minute. I would die. Right. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. All right. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have what? Loved. Do you love the book? Do you have a passion for the book? You can't tell me if you read it once a week, you have a passion for it. You can't tell me if, it sets, if you bring it to church and when you go home, you put it over by the wayside and it sets there the rest of the week until Wednesday night or until Sunday that you have a passion for it. You don't have a passion for it unless you're spending time in it. Well, that goes over like a lead balloon. All right. Look what he says. Verse 48. My hands also will I lift up into thy commandments, which I have what? And I will meditate in thy statutes. Look at verse number 70. Their heart is as fat as grease. I delight in thy law. Notice, it is, it, verse 70, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. I might learn thy statutes. Now, go over to chapter, I mean, go over to verse number 97. 92 first. 92. Unless thy law had been my delights, I delighted in it. I delight. I, I love it so much. I should have perished in my affliction. Verse 97. Oh, how love I thy law is my meditation all the day. Verse 111. Thy testimonies have given me an inheritance forever. There of the rejoicing of my heart. Verse 113. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I Love. Verse 119. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore I love thy testimonies. Look at verse 127. Therefore I love thy commandments above gold. Yeah, above fine gold. Verse 131. I opened my mouth and painted. So I longed for thy commandments. Verse 140. The word is very pure. Therefore thy servant loveth it. Verse 143, trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet my commandments are my, thy commandments are my delights. He said in verse 148, mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Verse 159, consider how I love thy precepts. Verse 162, I rejoice that thy word is one that findeth great spoil. 163. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend him. 167. My soul hath kept thy precepts, and I love them exceedingly. Verse 174. I have longed for thy, thy salvation, Lord, and thy law is my delight. Do you see what I see? Look, the Word of God was his passion. He loved the Word of God. He was passionate about it. Just like these uh, people love their favorite sports team, their favorite college team. They love them. And when, they, I mean, when they're losing, they're like, Oh, no, come on! Get rid of the coach! Fire him! It must be the coach! Could just be the players aren't playing the game, but just thought I'd throw that out extra. But man... We got to win. I don't know why. See, I was raised in southern Tennessee, northern Alabama. And Auburn and Alabama football, they're passionate. They're pretty passionate in Tennessee too. But when Auburn plays Alabama or Tennessee plays Alabama, there's a heap of passion. Brother, I mean, there's passion. They don't mess around. It, it's, it's like Michigan State and Ohio State. Or Michigan and Ohio State. They don't like each other. There's such a passion. It's like Duke and North Carolina in basketball. 
There's such a passion there. Whether that's good or bad, I'll not say. But I will say this. There's a passion for those teams. But yet God says, you ought to have a passion for the Savior. You ought to have a passion for the Scriptures. You ought to master His Word, memorize His Word, meditate on His Word. Have a passion. And that brings me to the message of the day. And that is having a passion for souls. But some have compassion, making a difference. And if you go over there to Jude 22, you'll find that he talks about pulling them out of the fire and so forth. What are you talking about? Keeping them out of hell. Let me tell you why Christians quit soul winning. Quit trying to reach people. Quit their bus route. Some of them do. It's because they lost their passion. They're not as passionate about it as they used to be. I remember when Brad started dating Megan. I mean, he, you couldn't keep him off the phone. And every time there was an opportunity to leave town, those tires were on the road coming to Ohio. I mean, I had to come here for something, and he volunteered to bring me all of and drive for me, <laughs> which I let him drive because I don't like to drive that much. And so he drove all the way here and back. Why? Just so he could see her. A young man starts dating a young lady all at once. I remember when I was here last year, was a young couple sitting over here on this side. They were sitting over here on this side. They got married and moved over there. I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> You're the only one over here. I don't know what that says either. <laughs> there used to be seven of them looking for a wife over here. But anyway, uh, but I, I don't, I'm not making any reference to anything. I'm just saying. But after church, I watched them. Watched them as they looked at each other. I mean, it was like, I am mad in love with you. And I, hope, and I think they are. You remember when you first, hey, some of you guys that's old, ain't old enough to, you came over with, with Noah on the ark, like I did. You helped, you was there with Moses when he crossed the Red Sea. You remember how you used to feel about that little gal sitting next to you? Remember how you couldn't get her off your mind? You couldn't wait till the next time you got to see her. Now, nowadays, they can just chat. Uh, they, they can uh, 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 FaceTime and all that kind of stuff and actually see them. Ours was, if you had that. And it was long distance, mine was. So I could only talk once a day for just a few minutes because I couldn't afford to pay the phone bill. And so what I did was um, I had to, we saved up. And I would save my money, and at and, and a certain time at night, they didn't have a phone. She went to her grandmother's a mile down the road, and I called her at her grandmother's house at that time. We talked for five minutes, and then that was it. And the next day, I counted down how much time it was before I got to talk to her again for five minutes. Now they got cell phones, and they can stay home half the night like Brad did in the dorm. But they couldn't do that then. There were no cell phones and so forth, as you know. And any time you called... Out of your just little area, it was long distance. But I counted it down, and so did you. By the way, let's just get down where the rubber hits the road. That's that same little gal that you married, that you liked like that years ago. That's the same one sitting next to you now. Why don't you have that same passion? Well, I'm an old man now. So, when did it change? It shouldn't have. In fact, you ought to love her more now than you did then. It'll be real love now. Then I'm not sure it wouldn't mean a lot with lust, but it'll be real love now. Uh, well, she's older than she used to be. So are you. Look in the mirror, sir. That old man looking back at you, that's you. And she has to look at you all the time. You just have to when you look in the mirror. She has to look at you all the time. Think about it. It's a miracle she didn't pitch you out a long time ago. That woman has stuck by you all these years. You ought to love her to death. Now, I, now I'm off the message. Let me get back to the message, all right? Boy, when they fall in love. Let me tell you what happens. It changes her schedule when he gets a passion. It changes her diet. I've gone to banquets where guys sit there and they can't eat anything because they're with this girl. Brother, I'm done to you one. It never changed my diet. <laughs> I could always eat. I can still eat with the best of them. 
I went out to eat with Brother Pete the other day. He can eat with the best of them. He's the leader of the best of them. <laughs> hey, I'm just telling to tell the truth, brother. They'll change your clothing. She'll say, uh, why don't we match? Remember that? We'll match. So we, we have to match our clothes. I'm not against that. I'm, I'm, fine. I don't, I'm not making fun of matching. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he'll wear stuff he normally wouldn't have worn because she wants him to wear it. And we all, in this, everybody in this room is smart enough to get down in the rain knows I'm telling the truth. He'll change his diet. He'll change his clothing. He'll change his schedule. He'll do anything. Why? Because that passion he has for her, that strong longing Ooh, that leads to action. I got to do something because I'm, man, I'm in love. Now, why is it we lose that passion that we have for the Lord Jesus Christ or for the Scriptures? Why is it we lose that passion? I remember when I first got saved, I couldn't wait to start telling everybody I got saved. I went to work the next day. I'm working a bunch of heathens. I went to work the next day and I said, hey, you better get saved or you're going to hell. And it's not really the, probably the best approach. It, and that, let me say, it's the truth. I just don't think it's very tactful. I didn't have no tact. I had Jesus, though. I said, man, I got saved yesterday and you need to do it. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then before long, they start calling me the deacon. Hey, deacon, deacon's here. They didn't call me that because I was sitting around smoking and, and, and drinking and cutting up with them and telling dirty jokes. It's because I was telling about Jesus and how wonderful it was. And then they went from deacon to preacher. And they go, well, the preacher's here. I ain't even been called a preacher or anything. He's already called me the preacher. Because when I got it, it was like, this is good stuff. I got to tell other people, they don't need to go to hell. Somebody needs to help them. I didn't even know how to tell them. I just knew you got to tell them. God help those who've been saved for years and taken courses and knows all about it and very seldom have opened their mouth for Jesus. They're all over the place in our churches. Quiet in the crowd real quick, can't you? Ooh, sorry. That's a lie. I'm not sorry. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6 says, They go, he that beareth, uh, uh, goeth bearing, uh, uh, sowing seeds, shall doubtless come again. We rejoice and bring you sheaves with him. How do I get back? Or how do I get for the first time a passion for people who are dying and going to hell and try to reach them? And get that passion back for Jesus. Or get that passion back for the scriptures. Here's how you do it. By the renewing of your mind. You got to change what you're thinking. He says in, in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8, he makes it very plain when he says this, and let me read it to you real quick. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let this mind be resolved in Christ Jesus. You know what? It's your mind. Look, what you think, listen to this closely, determines how you feel. How you feel determines what you do. I heard a preacher say that he came to work one day and he'd been gone, he came back in town. Somebody said, Preacher, you okay? You look sick. He went, ah, I'm fine. He walked by somebody else and they said, Preacher, you okay? You look like you're sick. He said, no, I'm fine. I think I am. After about five people told him that, he said, you know what? I think I'm sick. I'm going to have to go home. <laughs> there wasn't a stinking thing wrong with him. But in his mind, they kept telling him he looked sick. And he thought, you know, I must be sick. That's why some people on a Sunday morning, I don't feel good. You know how many people, when, I was, when we had a college, how many people would say, I just couldn't go to classes, I don't feel good. And I'd say to them, let me tell you something, and Brad and Josh know this, I'd say, fellas, if I, didn't, if I, if I only came to work when I felt good, especially after I had a heart attack, if I only came to work when I felt good, I wouldn't be here very often. 
You just get your lazy carcass out of bed and go because it's what you ought to do. And God takes care of it after that. Look, you say, well, I'm just not excited. Fake it then. I don't care. I better not faith it. Faith it. Look, every time I had a hurt or a heartache or a pain, I didn't do what I ought to do. I wouldn't do half of what I, I wouldn't do a fourth of what I do. Listen to me and listen to me well. What motivates us and drives us is the passion we have for it. When you've got a job that you really love and you have a passion for it, you'll be good at it. You'll be good at it. That's why some people are salesmen in this room and they're good at it because they have a passion for what they're doing. They're good at it. And what we've done is we've lost our passion because we don't think the right way. We need to change our thought life. And if I go out there, you know, uh, uh, somebody may shut the door in my face and embarrass me. Hey, I've been kicked out of better places than that. Come on, brother. I was out one day in East Chicago, Indiana. Walked up, knocked on the door, and the guy goes, What are you doing? And I said, I'm, I'm out in church. I'm out, not, I didn't tell him what church I was from. There, it was better not to say what church, just say I'm from the church. And he said, You were just here Thursday night. This was Saturday. And I said, No, I wasn't. He said, Yes, you were. You were just here Thursday night. And I said, Sir, I was at work over in East Chicago, here in East Chicago, Indiana. I didn't tell him where, but at Blon Ox Thursday night. I wasn't here. He said, Yes, you were. Get off my porch and don't ever come back. And I said, Well, sir, I'll leave your porch, but I wasn't here Thursday night. And I walked off the porch and I went to the next door. And he walked in his house. He came back in. He said, Get off that porch too. I said, You own this house? He said, No. I said, Then you go back in the house. I'm knocking on this door. If I quit every time somebody told me that, I'd, I'd quit so in years ago. God didn't tell me, go if they say you like it or not. He said, go. And what we need is a passion to reach the lost. A passion to reach the lost. We've lost our passion. We've got churches all around America that are dying. And they say, I don't know what's wrong with our church. You never have anybody saved, never have anybody baptized, never have anybody down now. Nobody ever wins anybody, and you wonder why. You don't have any babies. You know what brings excitement to a church? Babies. What brings excitement to a home? Babies. Changes your whole life. I got one still at home. Praise God. Anyway, I'm sorry. Four of them are gone. The problem is the four that are gone, part of them bring their babies back. Now I'm like, hold on, I'm on my second time around. This Something's not right. No, I love it. But a passion. What I think, what I think. See, my mind, I think with my mind, with my heart, I feel. With my will, I act. You don't change what you do without changing what you think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You have to change the thought life to change how you feel. And the problem is we don't think the right thoughts about souls dying and going to hell. What we've done, we've allowed ourselves to say, you know, I don't know if there really is a hell, and I don't know if all this stuff really is real. So therefore, I can, it's, it's like I've got an out, out in the whole thing. I don't have to worry about it. But see, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you two areas to think about that will help change your life in this thing and so on. Number one, think about this. Think about, think about the price that was paid for you to be saved. The price that was paid. And the second thing I want you to think about is not only the fact that there was a price paid for you to be saved. If I find my notes, I'll tell you. If I don't find them, I'll just tell you anyway. But the price that was paid for you to be saved. Just think about that one thing. Think about what it cost Jesus for you to go to heaven. They sang a while ago, his life for mine. His life for mine. You think about his life for my life. We sing a minute. I owed a debt I could not pay. He, de- he paid a debt he did not owe. See, what we've done, we've got away from the fact of what Jesus really did. And if I'm going to keep a passion for souls, I've got to stop and think about this. What the price that he paid and the penalty for my sin. The price that was paid and the penalty for my sin. Those two things. If you just stopped and took just a few moments and thought about what they are. Let me start with the reverse of in order. Let me start with the first one. The penalty for your sin. 
Now, we don't like to think about it, but we're going to tonight anyway. Take your Bibles and let's go back over to Luke. And let's look at the penalty that was paid when Jesus said what? And we, we're talking about the man who... Uh, the man on the cross... I mean, the man when Jesus came and said to him, not the man on the cross, but the, when the beggar came, Luke chapter, let me get there, 16, Lazarus. Look at it with me. There was a certain rich man, verse 19, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at the gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dog came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to me. Dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Folks, we need to go back to realizing there is a penalty for our sin. And the penalty for our sin was death in hell. And we've gotten away from it because our culture says that's too harsh, that's too cruel. But you, you go back to our text, if you would, that I read out of a while ago. And look what he says. You get the motivation here for the salvation. You get the motivation when he says, My heart's desire. He says over here in chapter 9, I'm willing to be accursed for my brethren. Why? Because I don't want them to go to hell and burn forever. And what he said, he said, don't let them die and go to hell. I'm willing to go to hell for them if I could just get all the Israelites saved, if I could get them all born again. Look, you think about hell, about the darkness, the falling, the crying, the moaning, the screaming, the thirst, the pain, the separation forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And Christ talked more about hell than He did about heaven. And the reason we've lost our passion for souls is we've forgotten what hell's really like. We kind of just take that and blank it over here out of our mind and kind of, when we read it, we just kind of speed read through it and forget that there is really a hell that every man, woman that dies without Christ is going to burn an eternal lake of fire, not for a week, not for a month, not for a year, not for a century, but for all time, year after year, century after century, they're going to burn in the lake of fire. We don't like to think about that. Yet it's true. And we've gotten away from what hell's really like. And we've listened to it, and some of the religions have gotten away from that. And they say, y'all are too harsh. Look, they won't think we're harsh when they die and go to hell. Look, folks, the reason why it sounds so harsh is because it is harsh. And we don't want one single person to go to hell. Not one single person do we want to go to hell. And what we've got to do is we've got to stop and start realizing the penalty for sin is death in hell. Know that, back at our text. It says, but what saith it? Verse 8, the word is nigh unto thee, even in the mouth and in the heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That thou shalt confess the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ and shalt believe in thine heart that God has what? Raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Well, how did he die? He died for our sins. Christ had to go to the cross. We just, we just had Easter. I don't know if you stopped during that week before Easter and thought about what Jesus was going through when he went to Calvary. But in my mind, when we take the Lord's Supper, preacher, I think about what happened. And I sit and I have a routine I go through that reminds me. That when they took Jesus, they blindfolded him, they smote him in the face. They plucked his beard out. They spit upon him and mocked him. You've got to remember, this was the Son of God. This was God in the flesh. He could have annihilated them with one word. And he chose not to. Why? Because he was dying for our sins. See him as they take that cat of nine tails and they stretch him over that thing. And the skin's taunt tight. They got his back, no, no clothing on his back. And watch him as they take that whip, those guys who are trained to do it. And then jerk back. And it just fillets the flesh. And they do it again. And those little pieces of glass and broken stuff, bone stuff, sticks into his body. Just sticks in his like a like a hook in a fish's mouth, uh, a fish mouth. And then they pull back. And it just fillets the flesh. And they do it again. And it pulls back and, 
and the blood's now trickling down his sides and running all over the place. And again, and it just fillets the flesh on his back, tears him open all the way through to the inside. I imagine his insides were even hanging out. Why was he letting that happen? He was paying my sin debt. The silent singers, well, singers a while ago. Silent singers, right? Singers. His life for mine. His life for mine. Where's all those people that loved him all those years, Brother Pete? They're gone. But that's not the end. Then they put him on the way to the cross. He falls. physical part of him does. Then they take him to the cross and they lay him down. So those nails go through his hands and feet. Bring that cross up and drop it in that hole. His bones are pulled out of joint when he blows down. His life for mine. His life for mine. What was he doing? Paying the sin debt that everybody in this room could he just come and say, Jesus, I take you. And Jesus says, got you. You're safe. His life for mine. I'll tell you how you can keep a passion for souls. Remember what it costs Jesus for your soul to be saved. That's what he paid for everybody. Every boy, every girl. Look, why do we run buses? Because those boys and girls have a soul. Their aunts and uncles have a soul. Their moms and dads have a soul. And let's face it, most people don't give a rip about their soul. I'll never forget. I've told this story, and I may have told it here. One of our bus captains years ago, Mrs. Turner, went over to 26th Street in Bank, turned right on, well, you can't turn right off the bank there, but go down 26th Street and go across Bank heading toward Portland Avenue. On the left, there was a, on the left was where the annex was. Remember that? On the right, there was some, a bunch of houses and one of them was a drug house over there. There's a little boy that lived over there with his aunt. Mrs. Turner went to him and he said to her, he was crying and stuff, and she started talking to him. And he said, you know what, Mrs. Turner? I think I, must, I just want to take my life. I have nothing to live for. Little boy, I'm going to take my life. I have nothing to live for. Mrs. Turner said, oh, no, 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 you don't want to do that. Why would you want to take your life? And he says, because nobody cares about me. She says, I care. She said, but nobody in my family cares. She says, no, no, no. They're, they're, somebody cares. He said, no, they don't. My mama don't want me. I get a check from the government. And my aunt took me in only because she wants the check. And that's only she took me. She wants the check. If you take the check away, she'll pitch me out. She doesn't even want me. And I have nothing to live for. And you wonder why we run those buses? Because those little boys and those little girls out there that may well say, I'd like to take my life because nobody really wants me. But there's a God in heaven that loves them more than they could ever know. And Jesus Christ went to Calvary and was beaten with a cat of nine tails and had his hands and nails nailed to the cross Never a drop of blood came out of his body. And just to make sure they had it all, they stuck the spear in his side and got the rest for me. For me. For me. Because the price that Jesus paid. That's why I ought to be winning souls and have a passion. And if I'll keep that in my mind, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If I'll keep that in my mind, I can't help but witness. And if I'll keep in mind what I deserve, I deserve to burn in hell forever in a lake of fire that never ends. And the only reason I'm going to hell is because of what Jesus did. Not what I've ever done. I could never even start to pay the sin debt. Singers, come back up here a minute. Can y'all put that back on? You do that, brother. Singers, are you still in here? Silent singers? While they're getting there, just hear me. Come on up. His life for mine. Here's why I've got a burden. Let me move this junk out of y'all's way. Here's why I've got a burden. 
for lost souls. I'll tell you why. Because the price I deserve to pay, the penalty for my sin, number one. Number two, because of who paid the penalty for him and what he paid. His life, go ahead, his life for mine. Think about it. The only reason you're going to heaven, go ahead and start, is because of what he did for you. That's the only reason. The only reason. His heart was broken, mine was mended. He became sin, now I am clean. The cross he carried bore my burden. The nails that held him set me free. His life for mine, His life for mine, how could it ever be that He would die? change what we're thinking about. Our problem is we've got our mind on ourselves. My needs. I, you don't understand when I need this. No, but they, they're going to go to hell forever. But that's the only day I've got for fill in the blank. But they're going to go to hell while you're doing your four. Jesus, the last thing he said before he went to heaven was, you shall be witnesses of me. Either he meant that or he didn't. And the truth is, the truth is that we as Christians have lost it. 
We've lost our desires. We've lost our excitement about that, and we've, we've lost it. But can you imagine what it's like when one soul gets saved in heaven? You ever read the parable of the, of the sheep that left, and he came back? And, he, and, and when he found the sheep, he left the 99 in the wilderness, and he went out and got him, and he came back, and he says, Neighbors, rejoice with me, for that which was lost is found. And he was excited. And then he used the illustration of the, not of the lost sheep, but of the lost coin. And he says this. He says, the lost silver. He said, look, uh, this lady had ten pieces of silver. And she lost one. And she swept the floor until she found it and got, lit the place up. And when she found it, she called her neighbors and friends and said, Hey, neighbor! Hey, 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 come where? Hey, let me tell you something. I found my coin that was lost. And he said, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that comes than over all that. It doesn't matter. It's, I'm telling you, there's rejoicing in heaven. Every time one person, one person, Josh, make your way up here. One person gets saved. One person gets saved. And I have the opportunity to witness to people and tell them about Jesus and see them bow their head and say yes to Christ. Lord, give me a passion to reach people. Give me a passion to find somebody, a brother, a sister, a mama, a daddy, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin. Boy, people all over the place are dying without Christ. What are you going to do? That's the question. Listen to this song. Heaven, God is sitting on his throne, anticipating another sinner will soon become his own. Years of wasted living and years of toil and strife are just about to be over as he receives the gift of life. Go sound the horn, strike up the choir, a sinner is saved, saved from the fire, no more in darkness, he received my son, all heavens rejoicing, that's the value of one. The Holy Spirit has been working. To soften up a heart All he needs is a willing servant To simply do his part Can you imagine up in heaven The joy there'll be that day When a sinner bows his head to pray Can't you hear the Father say Go sound the horn, strike up the choir. A sinner is saved, saved from the fire. No more in darkness, he received my son. All heaven rejoices, that's the value of one. Start construction on his mansion There on Hallelujah Street He doesn't know yet what is waiting When the Savior he will meet He'll meet Go sound the horn Strike up the choir A sinner is saved Saved from the fire, no more in darkness. He received my son, all heaven rejoices. That's the value of one, all heaven rejoices. That's the value of one. Here's the question. Here's the question.
Is there a hell? Yes or no? That's the question. Number two, is there a price that, a penalty to pay, that was paid? I don't care if you're a teenager, young man. I care if you're an adult, middle-aged adult or senior adult. There's still people all around. Folks say, look, y'all are crazy. All y'all care about souls. First of all, that's not true, but it sure would be a, a good statement to say about us if that was right. You know what we care about? We care whether somebody goes to hell or not. I don't want anybody to go to hell. Brother Wetzel and I, someone else asked us to go visit, make a visit today. We drove, waited, how long we wait? About an hour or better just to talk to a guy and he ended up being he was already saved. But I don't feel like it was wasted time. Do you, Brother Wetzel? Because, hey, look, somebody asked us and we went. You never know who's going to get saved. If it was your mama, would you want us to go? If it was your daddy, would you want us to go? If it was your brother, would you want us to go? If it was your sister, would you want us to go? If it was your aunt, would you want us to go? If it was your uncle, would you want us to go? If it was your cousin, would you want us to go? That young man we talked to today was somebody's son. You know what? We can make excuses all we want. But that won't hold water. Give me the passion, Lord. Help, remind me of what the penalty is for my sin. That's hell. And remind me of the price that was paid so I didn't have to go there, Lord. And give me a passion for souls. Jim, I'm going to ask you just to quietly play through that. Father, I pray you'd bless now this invitation time.